0: And I think the really good example that hits it home is, if you go to any hospital, you see a number of nurses and doctors and other you know health experts down there. They are in a place of a huge amount of misery. They would rather not be there because, I mean, illness is not something that you want to be around. Sickness is not something that you want to be in touch with, right? However, they're there, but they treat the people who have these sicknesses. They treat the people with these illnesses because while they don't like the illness and they don't like the sickness and they'd rather not be there, but they like the people. They don't hate the people. They hate the sickness, they hate the illness, but they treat the people as human beings because the idea is we can get rid of this. So similarly, we are all doctors for our society and community, all nurses in that sense. Muslims are supposed to be those who bring about good to others. And ease to others So if there is a person who's doing evil And if we treat them with evil as well Because we have made them out to be an evil person So we hate the person Then there is less likelihood of reform Whereas when it's very clear And you make it very clear of your sincerity of hating the act And not the doer of the act You can actually bring them closer Because you can actually show that compassion to the individual differently Not for the deed, but for the person بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمد كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعمّا نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد We're going to look at a uh, Really important uh, personal, emotional, psychological and spiritual issue And uh, we find a mention of this in uh, a verse of the Qur'an in Suratul hijr uh, verse 47 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says <laughs> So Allah says regarding the people who will enter paradise after having done the good that they have done in this world. Allah says that we will extract and remove, completely remove any ghil that's in their heart. Any ghil that they find in their breasts, we will remove them. They will be brothers and they will be brothers, brethren sitting on thrones and stages, honorary positions, essentially, mutaqabirin facing one another. What is this concept of ghil? What is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove any remnants of, any remainder of, and thus there will be none of this in paradise, but there's a lot of it in this world, unfortunately. And while there's a lot of it in this world, it's not something that everybody has to have. It is something that a person can choose and can make an effort to remove as well in this world and thus become more like the people of paradise and thus, inshallah, become more entitled and worthy of being in paradise if we can remove the ghil in our hearts. So what exactly is this ghil? Ghil is obviously an Arabic word as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses it in the Quran. And the concept of ghil is... As if I if I give you the uh, the, if I give you the dictionary definition of ghill, this is what it says. It says ghill is rancor, rancor. Essentially, in easier words, hatred, ill feelings, bad ideas. The other thing the dictionary says: malevolence, malice, spite. These are all words that define ghill, right? Rein and lam. In another definition, it says or latent rancor, something that resides in the heart and expresses its ugly head every now and then, or um, abundantly most of the time. If you let it get out of, some people have latent rancor, some people have extreme rancor. They just hate everything and every and everyone, and they just have as bad thoughts as you know as anybody. Could muster up. So that's the concept of ghil. Now, what's really interesting is that there's another word which is related to that that comes from the same root letters, which is ghain and lam or double lam, and that is ghul. So that's not the word used in the Quran here, although that is used in other places. So ghil is the state of the heart that is state of hatred and malevolence against somebody and bad thoughts and spite, and ghul. It actually actually means a neck shackle, a neck collar One of those that you put prisoners in so that they can't move So that you keep them captivated Iron collar or something else around the neck That's what ghul refers to A ring or a collar of iron which is put upon the neck A shackle for the neck or for the hand Or collar for the neck or a pinion or manacle for the hand that's what it says And the plural of that is أغلال, And that's used in the Quran أغلال, أغلال, The plural of ghul That's used in the Quran For those who will have iron Around their neck Show that they're captives That they are in trouble So That is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Promises to remove From the hearts of all of those that will enter into paradise So that there's not even any Latent hatred Latent possibility of hard feeling I mean imagine a world without hard feelings Imagine a world without bad thoughts Imagine a world without hatred That's paradise for you For some people this is just impossible for them to imagine But to be honest If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives somebody As Allah promises That whoever does these certain good deeds We will give them a an excellent life and an excellent life is like the life of paradise so make paradise on earth for yourself by removing the hard thoughts and the bad thoughts from the heart so let us talk about this and let us talk about a sign so today hopefully in the time that we have we'll be able to cover what this is exactly uh, beyond this linguistic meaning which from which you could have already understood what we're talking about and then some signs of whether we have it or not because it's very difficult to determine especially within ourselves, that we have a certain spiritual problem spiritual problems are very difficult to detect because we love ourselves and we constantly justify why we have certain things we don't notice them while we'll notice them in somebody else so i'm going to talk about you know several signs of this insha'Allah. so firstly It means to harbour bad thoughts about somebody, to create bad thoughts, to conjure up bad ideas about somebody and then to hate them for that reason. This is actually one of the most destructive traits of the heart. And the reason why it's so destructive, is, I think it's similar to miserliness. Because the other person who you hate may actually be enjoying their life as long as you don't express some of that hatred. But this is consuming you within because evil thoughts are bad for you, evil thoughts are bad because even according to psychology, when a person has uh, constantly ruminating with bad thoughts, they have a the negative hormone, cortisol, which is constantly dripping, and that creates stress and depression and creates anxiety and great problems and that leads to then other physical uh, medical physical medical conditions so while it might start off as a psychological condition it eventually uh, it eventually becomes manifest as a physical condition and people are wondering what's wrong with a person in their physical state but it comes due to this and i think the at the you know while it's a psychological physical condition eventually it actually comes from a spiritual problem And for much of that, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses for us in the Qur'an. So it's an extremely destructive trait of the heart. It's a spiritual problem. And, you know, it, it gets really bad. This is relating to something which might upset you, right? You dislike something. You don't like the way something looks. You don't like the way something seems. You don't like the way somebody speaks. You don't like somebody's relationship. You don't like the way they dress you disagree with something about them or whatever the case is and then eventually see you can disagree with somebody there's nothing wrong with disagreement as long as it's for the right reason and for the you know with the right facts isn't it? I mean there's going to be disagreements in the world there's many people that disagreed with others but that should not then grip the heart such that you start hating this person and it's a really really difficult thing to do sometimes especially if the other person starts the hate first then it becomes even more complicated then it's the person who's more connected to Allah that will resist, that will resist this. But look around, how many people is this destroying? Is it destroying you? Do you have anxiety issues based on griefs and worries of things that, you know, that upset you or that have not even happened? Right. According to many many statistics, uh, th- there's a huge percentage of things that you may be worried about and even anxious about. I've got another. Talk on that subject, and the statistics show that it probably won't even happen. Now, look at this example, right? If we were to, you see, sometimes in order to reconcile this, that sometimes somebody does bad to you or they do a bad act. Sometimes somebody is doing some evil acts, and you know, we're supposed not to like evil acts. You know, we're supposed to have a displeasure uh, towards evil acts, we're, we're, we're supposed to hate evil acts. So how do you reconcile that with somebody who's doing evil acts? Well, the simple thing is, I know sometimes this is very, very difficult, but I think I've got an example today, I think that really hits home. You know, the point is to dislike the act and not allow it to dislike the person, even though it's the person who's doing the dislike act, disliked act. So you dislike the act, and that's something that you can actually work on so that you can actually separate between the person and the dislike. How do you separate between the person and the dislike act? When you hate the act itself, and then you see that sometimes the person has reformed themselves, then you'd be fine with that person, because you'd be happy for that person. Not that you'll remember that now for the next 20-30 years and never forgive that person, even if he's tawbah and repentance has been accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because you never hated the person, you actually hated the act itself. And I think the really good example that hits it home is, if you go to any hospital, You see a number of nurses and doctors and other, you know, health experts down there. They are in a place of a huge amount of misery. They would rather not be there because, I mean, illness is not something that you want to be around. Sickness is not something that you want to be in touch with, right? However, they're there, but they treat the people who have these sicknesses. They treat the people with these illnesses because while they don't like the illness and they don't like the sickness and they'd rather not be there, but they like the people. They don't hate the people, they hate the sickness, they hate the illness, but they treat the people as human beings because the idea is we can get rid of this. So similarly, we are all doctors for our society and community, all nurses in that sense. Muslims are supposed to be those who bring about good to others and ease to others. So if there is a person who's doing evil, and if we treat them with evil as well, because we have made them out to be an evil person, so we hate the person, then there is less likelihood of reform whereas when it's very clear and you make it very clear of your sincerity of hating the act and not the doer of the act you can actually bring them closer because you can actually show that compassion to the individual differently not for the deed but for the person so it's just just be like a doctor or a nurse where you where you don't like the illness but you do everything for the person themselves so there is a. The Prophet sallam displayed this on one occasion. He showed disapproval of um, foul-smelling plants. For example, the the garlic, the onion is another example of that. So he expressed the disapproval of it. Now this happened during the conquest of Khaybar, right? The they had suddenly. Chanced upon this, and they entered the castles. The people were very, very hungry, and because they were very, very hungry, they 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 found the uh, the garlic, and then they went to the masjid, and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam smelled the odor of garlic, and he said, "Whoever eats from this foul-smelling plant or this foul-smelling food, should not come close to our masjids." So, the way the people took it, this was a good teaching of the prophet ﷺ, the way the sahaba took it they said hurrimat hurrimat you know uh, this food item is haram now it's been made prohibited, it's been made prohibited, you're not allowed to eat this anymore this reached the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the prophet ﷺ said ya ayyuhan nas innahu laysa bi tahrim Oh people, this is not a matter of making something unlawful. لي... لي... This is not about making something that Allah has made halal. This is not about making that haram. That's not what I'm trying to do. It is it is just a food product. It's a it's a tree, it's a plant. I just don't like I just dislike its odour. Because there's a lot of other benefits So natural antibiotic, there's a lot of other benefits to uh, For example, the garlic right? And likewise with other things I mean with onions and everything I mean it's just the odor which is the problem of it So be very particular about what you dislike in somebody And when you do that You actually just do better in this world So that it doesn't seem like this whole mighty mountain is upon you So hate the evil But don't hate the person and this way, inshallah, we can actually try to attract the people towards us by showing them that, look, this is what's wrong. You're not wrong right? in every aspect of yours. Unfortunately, hearts are very small nowadays. They're overly sensitive, extremely selfish. So we begin to hate. We begin to hate. And that just makes a bigger battle for no reason. Now, if you look, young children don't have any of this. MashaAllah, our ma'asum and Inerrant and infallible young innocent children. They don't have this the parents tell them off the mother may even you know uh, Give very harsh discipline or a somewhat level of harsh discipline a bad word a telling off But they still run back to the parents. They don't keep that in their heart They don't keep that in their heart. It's adults who do this a lot and sometimes the children will learn from such adults because when they see our reaction we stop speaking to people so easily And we start criticizing people so easily Our children pick that up And we mess up their innocence A lot of the time people will come and say My child does this He's very, you know, constantly mocking people Like where did he get that from? Where did he get that idea from? He must have seen somebody do this Children don't make this stuff up Somebody has done this Somebody does this And this is where they've taken it from Subhanallah. Humans are not supposed. We've got control over this. We've got guidance for this. This is what Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is telling us, and the Prophet Sallallahu has mentioned. For example, among the animals, there's a one animal which is known for a huge amount of hatred. Subhanallah. I mean, not just for nothing though, right? But it never forgets. The camel is known for this, apparently. I mean, we don't deal with camels, but those who deal with camels, they know what happens with a camel is that. If it's told off in some unjust way and the, or dealt with in a harsh way by the cameleer, by its owner At that point the camel will not do anything because the cameleer has a whip in his hand Or you know, has the power at that time and is subjugated at that time But it will remember they say, this is what they say about camels It will remember And this could be after months or after years even that this camel will attack its owner You have to be very careful with camels Don't be like a camel In fact, another thing of the camel Is that a cameleer needs to be very careful This is something else You can't trust camels You get off the camel, camels are huge And you have to be careful when the camel is going to sit Which side it's going to sit on Is it going to sit on the left or the right side So which side you need to be on If somebody doesn't know, then you may get harmed and hit by that So don't be like camels And just to give an idea Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how bad Hatred can be And how bad this feeling of Loathing, and rancor, right? Can be, Uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala gives the examples of non-Muslims, right? Against Islam, those who hate Islam. There's just so much rancor in their heart. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَيُزْلِقُونَكَ بِأَبْصَارِهِمْ لَمَّا سَمِعُوا وَيَقُولُونَ إِنَّهُ لَمَجْنُونٌ." It is very close. That those people who disbelieve that if they could basically They would make you slip even with their eyes, with their glance When they hear the reminders When they hear the reminders, they just so hate it, The hatred just comes out When they hear any word about Islam or any good that comes from it That if they could, they might not physically be able to do something But they would do something even with their eyes, with their, with their glances And above all, and then eventually they at least say la majnoon. That they call the Prophet they call him the insane one. They can't find anything else, they get so angry that then their spokespeople. Have to say something about the Prophet ﷺ, Even without realizing that their own religion And people of their religion Their own ancestors used to do the same thing And it was completely accepted before For an old, you know, for a person to, to, to be married at the age of 6, 7, 8 or 9 So they will make these statements Because currently that is not seen as a good thing But this is all done out of hatred Uh, What are the signs to indicate that somebody somebody is harboring hatred in their heart And rancor in their heart Especially latent, benign that you can't see But then it does come up every now and then Number one This is the first sign Do you seek out others' faults? Are you constantly in the search for others' faults? And that really gets you going It excites you when you When you see, hear or learn about other people's faults You enjoy listening to it when others mention it And then you like telling others about it. That's not a good thing. Now remember, just because you can see the faults of others, that doesn't make you a better person. Just because you can see the faults of others, it probably shows that you've got faults because you can describe, you can identify faults and defects and problems. That means you know what faults are. A person who's just so innocent, so they don't even know what a fault is, and people can treat them. In, I mean, I'm not saying you need to be that gullible, and I'm not saying that you should never be able to recognize faults and evils. You do need to protect yourself, but don't think that just because you can, you're very good at identifying faults in others, that you are actually a better person necessarily. Unless you look at that as a mirror, a uh, believer is a a believer is a mirror for a believer. So yes, that's the way If you see that in somebody else Do I have the same problem? Constantly we go back to ourselves Then that's a great thing That's the first sign It's not the first sign It's one of the signs Uh, Another sign is rejoicing at other people's misfortunes Why would you do that? Because there's hatred in your heart for that person You have no compassion That's why you don't feel that this fellow human being Is going through a difficulty A misfortune You don't realise that He's a human being, she's a human being, and this is a misfortune that comes to human beings. I am a human being, it could come to me. When I, I remember when I first read about this, either in the works of Ghazali, Tanawi, or Sha'rani, and I was like, wow, I think it was Sha'rani, I think, in Adab al suhba I've got the lectures of that online, the etiquette of brotherhood or companionship. And subhanallah, he says you're a human being just like that person So if this calamity can upon come upon them, it's a human calamity That means it can come upon you So be careful how you rejoice about others Never rejoice about other people's difficulties or their sins And remember the other thing that really, really, really You can say put the fear of God in me a long time ago right? Was a A saying or a narration that says that if a person has done something wrong and then they have repented in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven them and then you censor them and you go about it and you criticize them for that, Allah in punishment will involve you in that same issue before you die. I just remember reading that was like, wow. You know, you just need to be a void of this And this has been observed many times That the same thing happens to people who do this to others What they say is, what goes around, comes around That is really, really frightening Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Araf, verse 95 So verse 99 do they feel safe and secure from the planning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah's subtle planning? The only one that can feel secure from the planning of Allah is are those who are losers Because they don't know how Allah, and as I said The person that has the calamity and the difficulty or the problem that they're facing and you're rejoicing at That person is just a human being just like you So it could happen to him, it could happen to you Number three, another thing that hatred does and uh, rancor does for you Is that it causes you to withhold Any kind of praise or positive mention even Right In fact, you don't even want to respond to salam from them You don't want forget about giving salam You don't even want to respond to salam from them Whereas That is just completely wrong And the reason is that I don't think we've understood the point of salam Salam is a dua Salam is uh, 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 a, An expression of Goodness, uh, uh, the Prophet ﷺ said, spread salam amongst you. That is the way you're going to create love. He said, you cannot be full believers until you love one another. And you can't love one another unless you... Uh, shall I tell you how you can love one another? You give salams. When you say, "Assalamu salamu alaykum, it's not like saying hello. You know, if you said hello the whole day, nothing would happen. It's just a random word. I have not really checked the etymology of it or the origin of it. Um... Hello, 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 the whole day, it makes no difference. I guess if you said good morning, at least you're giving some kind of dua, right? You know, you're giving a good dua, you're bringing some good, but hello, what does that even mean? It's just we've attributed a meaning to it. But when we say Assalamu Alaikum, peace be upon you, and we spread this, so let's just say that we say one salam, and just one of our salams, we say multiple salams a day to people, and just one salam per day gets accepted. Can you imagine that much more peace has reigned in the world, in that area, in that locality, in your family, or wherever it is? And especially if it's a person you don't like, Assalamu alaikum, may peace be upon you as well, and may you lose all of this problem that you have, and may you become a good person. So rather than all of that, what, what people do, they would start backbiting these people, they would start even slandering them. That's another sign of hatred in the heart. Allahu Akbar, even if the person has done wrong to you, right? You there is a way to avoid the evil, avoid the harm, and still not hate the person for what that is. Give them an option, give them a chance, right? Or at least suspend judgment. Number four, you then start looking down at this person. You start looking down, even as I said earlier, even if they have now repented. And even if they've changed, you will not forget them even after 20 years. This is a major issue in some of our communities. There's somebody who's done some wrong, they've fallen into a mistake, they've done wrong, not even against you. They've just done a mistake, they've committed a sin maybe. right? Maybe they've committed zina, they stole something, maybe something. Now they've repented for 20 years, they've totally changed. You can tell everybody can change. But you will remember the whole history You have all of the data And I don't know where you get even the, in, the, the, the retentive memory from to remember all of this Some people in our community They pretty much know the dirt And the histories The biographies of every single person Even after they've been reformed You know what? You should have used that time to memorize the Quran If your mind works so well, mashallah right? You're just not willing to forgive that Even though Allah may have forgiven them and you remember so much. Why don't you do hifs of the Quran? I mean, our scholars used to remember the narrators of the hadith to know, you know, what narrations they had, and if they've ever done, uh, if they've ever, you know, made a mistake in their narration or something like that. That's what they used to use their minds for. So. You have to remember that when people make tawbah and repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Furqan verse 70, right? And keep this verse in mind. These are the people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has actually turned their bad deeds into good ones. So all the bad that they've done, that has now just been converted to good deeds. That's the beauty of a person who's done wrong, you know, for whatever reason Then when they make tawbah, all the bad deeds actually become good So Allah gives you a starting package as well To start off with And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is extremely forgiving and merciful So that's number four I mean, we could really expound and expand on all of these But in the short time that we have Number uh, number five uh, what, What hatred does is that it actually leads you to divulge things that should not be divulged about people Divulge their secrets, even though the prophet ﷺ said gatherings are to be held in trust private conversations private events Private incidents are supposed to be held in trust Things that happen in private not supposed to be for the public. They are supposed to be held. Yes, if there's somebody who's swindling others cheating others Harming others then that could be a justification But otherwise you just do it purely out of hatred in fact what the ulama have mentioned that if you're consulted, for example, for a marriage proposal about a certain individual in your area, in your family or whatever, and you know certain things about them. So let's just say that they had certain issues about them. However, that is not going to impact on the marriage, then you're not allowed to divulge that. Yes, you're only allowed to mention only as much as would affect that relationship. So if they've got something that's going to hinder the marriage or... Effect the marriage negatively Then you could divulge only that much All the time being precautious That you are not agree, aggressing against that person And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Throw their sins on you Or cause you to give your deeds to that person the year after You have to be very particular It's your responsibility to give the right kind of information But you need to do it in the most tactful way While trying to protect that person As far as you can Otherwise we incriminate ourselves in that And what's the point of that? Now, the other problem with this is that when people reveal things about others, they, they're not very smart about the way they reveal things about others. They're not very particular about it. If you've got hatred and you start revealing things about others, what you will do is that you will not be accurate in your revelation. You will not be accurate in what you divulge, but you add a lot of spices to it. Now, while a person might be a person who's done a lot of bad, but now what you've done is that you've actually brought a lot of the bad on yourself. And that's an issue. A lot of people when they tell others, you know, even when it's necessary, they spice it up. I've seen that in many occasions because we get cases that come to us and then, you know, one side just goes off on the other person and then you ask the other person and then you sit them down together and then you actually find out that there's exaggeration. Humans are prone to exaggeration and only the discerning and careful ones will be careful about this. You'd rather say less than more, even in times of necessity. Okay, number six, eventually you will also start mocking them, making fun of them. Now, mocking people and making fun of them, you know, if you get, become that brazen about it, right, that's another evil of hatred of somebody. And, you know, you have to remember that mocking somebody and making fun of them is not just with words, for example. It could be with explicitly with words, it could be done with the tongue, but it could also be done in gestures. Like somebody goes past and you shake your head, you frown. You stick your tongue out, you know, whatever it is by which the other person gets a negative message about the individual. If thumbs down or something like that, it just depends. I mean, can you justify it? If you can alhamdulillah, if you can't, then it's wrong. And then number seven, I guess, uh, when it comes to the worst part of it, is that you don't just leave it in your heart. You just don't leave it uh, between you and, uh, you know, uh, yourself and you just get angry about it. But you actually then go and try to harm the person. It leads you to say bad things, to derail them some way, to scratch their car, to spoil their dress, to uh, uh, to, to, to basically insult them in some way, to spill a glass of uh, of cola or drink on their uh, you know on their bag or you know on their garment or you know whatever it may be. So there's a level of jealousy that comes about in there. There's a number of other things that come out there. I mean, I mean, I'm being very particular when I speak about hatred, but it could involve so many other things. Imam Rabbani, one of our great scholars of the Indian subcontinent, Imam uh, Sheikh Ahmed al Hindi, he he said three things. He says that if a man, if a person claims to be a brave person, of, uh, uh, of valor, then their test, a brave man's test, is in the battlefield. A friend's test is at the time of difficulties, to see who still is your friend, who still has your back at the, time of, at the time of difficulties. Right? Otherwise, it's just a friendship of convenience. And number three, the aqil, the rational, reasonable, intellectual person, their test is in a state of anger. Clearly, a lot of this is caused by anger. Your test is that, are you going to go overboard? But the above, if we go back to the main verse that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that we, we don't want this harboring hatred in our heart. We want to give people the benefit of the doubt. We want to be very particular about the harm that we know about somebody, the wrong we know about somebody. We don't want to lead us to then incriminate ourselves, harm ourselves by this in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, for then to become a psychological problem in ourselves. And become anxious for no reason. And become uh, uh, hearts full of malice and hatred for no reason. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow, that, allow our hearts to be free of malice and hatred. Inshallah the next time uh, we will hopefully be able to discuss the remedies for this and the therapies for this. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and allow us to see this in our hearts so that we can actually start making a difference. Uh, The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, And that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures Uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially for example the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam And you'll feel a lot more confident You don't have to leave lectures behind You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures But you need to have this more sustained study as well Jazakallah khairan assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh